Hello and welcome to Living a Culture of Life podcast. I'm your host, Colleen Haupt, and I'm joined today by Father Bokeh in a remote episode. <laughs> Hi, Father. Uh, Colleen, good to be with you again and uh, in a different kind of studio today. Yeah, I still have the old books going on behind me, so keeping with the theme. <laughs> um, so let's just jump right in. Um, you wrote about a recent event where the population of the world was hitting a really big milestone. Would you like to talk a little bit about that for our listeners? Sure. Yeah. The You know, the one thing, maybe some of our audience has already been seeing some of the headlines uh, because a number of pro-life leaders and pro-family leaders have been talking about, you know, the fact that the, the world is going to reach uh, the eighth billionth person uh, uh, next week, anticipated. And so we'll reach a population of, of eight billion people. And, you know, of course, the uh, anti-life and anti-family and the, you know, the those of more concerned about, you know, uh, uh, that too many people on the planet are very concerned. But of course, for us, it's a, it's a day of celebration. It's a time to celebrate the gift of life. So uh, this is an, for us, it's a, a momentous day. Yes. And you were talking about some of those reactions. What have, have the reactions been like positive or negative to this? What kind of reactions have you been seeing? Well, it caught my attention, and I, and I hope our, our listeners will take a chance to go in and read uh, my Spirit and Life column, where I put a number of links. And, but uh, one that caught my attention was uh, the United Nations Population Fund, the director uh, of this particular office. And for any of us who have been engaged uh, in this uh, movement know full well that uh, the uh, United Nations Population Fund, the UNFPA, has been very much uh, in this uh, advancement of uh, population control, you know, not only in its uh, verbiage, narrative, but in the very programs and policies it supports and advocates around the world uh, as an extension of the United Nations work. And so, but to hear, you know, the director, in this case, uh, you know, it's Dr. Uh, Natalia Canem, if I'm pronouncing her name properly, uh, but again, people can see how it's spelled if they go to the, uh, the, my article. Uh, but to hear her, you know, speaking uh, positively, in a sense, you know, with so many naysayers and so many people, uh, you know, concerned, uh, she says, and I'm going to do a little quote here, you know, I'm here to say clearly that the sheer number of human lives is not a cause for fear. You know, this is her statement. And she goes on, can the planet sustain a, such a number? Even amid much feverish hand-wringing in the 1960s over concerns of overpopulation, history has shown the answer is yes. Now, for those of us who have been in this conversation, to hear such language, especially from an organization that has been part of the problem. Now, they don't admit they've been part of the problem, but she goes on to talk about, you know, that there is a demographic problem, that there is a real issue uh, that is happening, not only um, in, not just because there's eight billion, but because we know that many countries are, are not replacing themselves in the sense of the of openness to children, and you know that this is going to have economic issues, and so. But to hear the positive, and this is how I walked away, Colleen, when I when I read you know the statements by the director, I, I kind of paused and thought to myself, why the change in rhetoric? Why, in a sense, a softer tone? It really uh, is, and what I can think of, my answer is they see the writing on the wall. They've created such a, a, a fear. Of, of having uh, welcoming children 
and of families being open to children and the very fact that, you know, oh, we can't sustain, uh, you know, such a heavy population and so forth. You know, now they're seeing, first of all, we know they were always wrong, but they're seeing the consequences of this anti-life agenda. They're seeing what the economic impact is going to be. What is going to happen when you have such a, a growing older population versus a younger population to sustain your economic ability and your social programs and so forth? So I walked away, you know, feeling, okay, even if it's just a moment, and some eyes are opening. And that's how I walked away with it. This is a moment, you know, to, to, to advance the conversation, to move the conversation. And, and for people, you know, even if it's just a moment to admit, hey, we might want to reevaluate what we're saying and what we're doing here. So that's, that's kind of how I walked away. Now, I, I'm not going to let my guard down. I'm going to continue, you know, to work uh, to tirelessly, you know, advance the culture of life and fight against, you know, these anti-life, anti-population agendas. But for the moment, to hear someone who represents an organization that has been so negative, you know, so much part of the problem in language and rhetoric and, and uh, policies and procedures, uh, for them to take a pause, I welcome it. Yeah, definitely. And then were there any negative reactions to it at all? Like, did you see any anyone saying, like, this is a bad thing that we're hitting eight billion. <laughs> I've seen not. Just, I mean, I didn't make a lot of comments in the article, but you know, I've seen the headlines. I've been reading the articles and the statements, and of course, absolutely, you know, the, you have people who are the futurologists and the you know from the climate you know concerns and you know the, the people on that side of the agenda, you know, to the the fact that people think that you know we have too many humans on the planet, you know, that we can't sustain it, you know, absolutely, they're out there. You know, and uh, the the like, for example, you know, if um, you know, I mentioned in the article uh, Planned Parenthood, you know, now even with all this being said, you know, here they're now announcing that we're going to make more programs available for more opportunities for contraception, more opportunities, you know, to uh, to introduce and especially in the developing world. Uh, you know, population control. And we know that Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has now, you know, offered money, uh, sizable amounts of money to uh, promote contraception, you know, and we know what that means. Contraception always leads to the mindset of abortion. And so you see the problem here. So we got, we we still got the the people out there we have to deal with that are not advancing, you know, what we advance. And that is the beauty of human life, the gift of human life, welcoming human life. And every life is a precious gift. And what, like, impact will this have on the pro-life movement? Like, what kind of things can, how, what arguments are we going to see for abortion coming out of this? How do we respond to those? What's a good strategy for pro-lifers? Well, I mean, their, their language of, of, of the other side, you know, will not change. I mean, this is, the, 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 the various narrative has been, the planet cannot sustain this population you know, we don't have enough resources to support this kind of population. And we know that the United Nations and has made it uh, through its own um, uh, uh, documents or pointed out that by the year 2080, let's just say we'll reach about 10 billion people. All right. Wow. Now, but with that, as they are also saying, you know, we're going to see a, a sharp decline very quickly, you know, once we reach this peak. And of course, these numbers can change, always depends on uh, what happens with the amount of birth rate and, and, and also the issues of, uh, you know, you can have a major pandemic, you can have a, you know, like we saw where we can have lives lost, you know, uh, you know to a, to a various virus, a, a natural disaster. I mean, that can be 
very devastating to an, a region. Uh, so many factors involved. But, the, you know, the, the reality is, is numbers, math doesn't lie, uh, Colleen, that, you know, eventually when you have a declining, uh, you know, total fertility rate globally, you know, when you start looking at right now as a global number, which means, you know, the number of children born, you know, to a woman, you know, uh, in, in childbearing years, when you think of that at being at 2.4. Now, we all know that 2.1, which means that we're talking about three children here. We're talking about, you know, uh, having more, welcoming more uh, than two children, because in, if you only have two children, then yes, you might have, quote, using their language, replaced yourself. But because of disease and accidents, a child can die, you know. And so, so really, you, want, you haven't replaced yourself. You lost that one by, by welcoming three. And again, I'm not uh, playing with the number in a sense of saying we should only have three. But I'm just saying that from the, when you look at the number, what the number says, three children means that not only has Frank and Susan replaced, quote, themselves, they have an, one more child. So now we've added to the population. We've increased the population. And of course, you know, statisticians look at all these numbers, but, you know, but when you look at 2.4 globally, that's adding the entire total fertility rate globally, that's very dangerous, especially considering, you know, in the 1960s, we were talking about five children, you know, on average. So we, we see the decline and we see what's happening. Uh, as I noted in my article, Colleen, that, you know, here in the United States, we are well below replacement. And so, and we have been so for a number of years, and what masks that number is immigration, and that's not like the same thing happening in Europe in some countries. So, but we are well below replacement level. And as the Census Bureau that I talk about in my column also gives us some very eye-opening numbers. Uh, and so uh, I'm going to pardon me if I turn to those pages because I think it might it would be good for us to to look at them. You know, even just very briefly. You know, so this is in my column and what I'm talking about here. So this is the U.S. Government Census uh, Bureau. That's talking about numbers. So they show that between 2010 and 2020, the number of people over age 55 grew by 27%, which is 20 times larger than the growth rate of the, of, of the collective population under 55. So which, again, what it means is that we're now we're moving to the point where a certain segment of our population is now above the age of 55 and now we have, and so in a decreasing lower population, and what does that mean? Well, it's our younger people that uh, are going to support our, you know, our economy in the sense of work, workforce, you know, and, you know, the idea of where, where taxes raised from our workforce, from those who are working, people 55 and above moving toward retirement, guess what, are not going to be paying as much taxes or any taxes at all once they get beyond a certain age. So how do you support your programs? How do you support your your infrastructure? How do you you uh, so just from an economic point of view, just from a social program point of view, you know, of course, we don't approach the human person in a utilitarian manner. But just from a practical look at this, it's a dangerous, a very dangerous reality. And we're seeing this play. Sorry. Oh, social security system, too, is completely dependent exactly. on the younger generation. Being able uh, I mean, to think of think, think of yeah, think of healthcare, Colleen. You know, yeah. think of you know. I mean, how does uh, you know Medicare get funded? How do our our, our various uh, uh, health programs for young people, a uh, youth, you know, for the poor? How are they funded? They're funded based on taxes, right? And so, and so income. So, and we see this already in 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 Europe, you know, where they're already seeing the social ramifications of a declining population. 
And uh, we see this, uh, saw this in Greece recently and in other places where we have examples. So it really should cause alarm. And, and, and again, we are not approaching human life in the sense of a commodity. We don't, that's not the language that we are advancing, but we recognize the beauty of every human life. And in here, uh, I just think it's important to, and here I wanted to kind of quote John Paul, uh, and, and that's why I put it in my column. It's such a beautiful way of looking, you know, at, the, um, at how we approach the dignity of human life. And, you know, and he, he talks about, you know, that there is a conspiracy against life in, in, within governments today and with uh, governmental agencies today and so many foundations. But, you know, he talks about, you know, the beauty and how we approach every life as a gift and how we, we, we look at the, and by welcoming every life and, and looking at that life as a gift, the contribution of that life, the, 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 the true blessings that life will bring to us as a society, to the common good, a contribution that soul will make in their gifts and their talents and their abilities. And even if they don't have, you know, when people are born with handicap and, you know, are various difficulties that may not contribute, you know, in the sense of work, but they bring still gifts. They bring themselves. They bring the beauty of life to the conversation. And, and, and we should have that mindset. And, and this is what we have to fight against. This is, this is the problem that the mindset of an anti-life culture, a, a, a culture of fear and fear mongering and, and the narrative of overpopulation has created. We, we have shown time and time again, you know, the, the naysayers about this were, have been proven wrong time and time again. So we, 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 but here they are still saying the same thing. And, and yet they've been false every time, you know, and so we need to really recognize, you know, what can we do, you know, to, to support human flourishing? How can we address those issues that are real issues? How do we address a need uh, in, in areas where uh, agriculture is poor? How can we help in those communities where there is a lack of, uh, of mechanization, electrification, farming equipment? What can we do to assist? In other words, it, it's, it's, we, have, we have, do have issues. We have problems, you know, in many parts of the world where there is genuine poverty. How do we address that? Not by assaulting human persons, but by getting to the systemic reasons why we have poverty. And, and, and that is corrupt governments, corrupt systems, corrupt policies, agendas, ideologies. So let's, let's have an honest conversation about why there is poverty. And it's not the human person that creates that poverty in a sense of welcoming human life. And what are some ways that pro-lifers can respond to the arguments of people who are like pro-population control with abortion and contraception? How can pro-lifers... Um, meet them and kind of acknowledge that they're fears, but at the same time, not um, use it to promote abortion and contraception. Like, how can we respond to that? Yeah, I, I mean, the best way to respond is, 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 is go after the data. Go, go after what, what we can do, look at from the math, from what we have learned, what we are seeing unfolding in our societies globally when we have such agendas. I mean, China is a good example. You know, when we think about the one-child policy, uh, that was uh, forced upon uh, the people uh, of China. And what are the consequences of that? And again, people might see such a, a very large and vast population, but again, numbers don't lie. There's, there's going to be a point where they reach uh, uh, that, that pinnacle and they're going to see a, a very quick and massive drop. When you have a growing, uh, a gradually growing older population, 
how the, does the Chinese government support itself? How does it, it keep its infrastructure going? Right now it's, and again, here's a proof of it where, you know, again, people drive your economy. People drive your ability and, your, and even your, 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 your power in the sense of your economic power because it's the workforce. And so in China has been able to amass such a, a, a strong economic uh, influence because of its workforce, because of the way that, uh, and we can argue how and we can argue the means, but the reality is a strong population. We're seeing the same thing in, in, in India, you know, where again, they have such an impact because of population. And so not treating people like commodities, that's another issue we have to deal with because we don't use people. You know, we invest in human flourishing and, and assist people to have by, by providing opportunity for them to have the skills and the abilities to, uh, to better themselves and to contribute to society and the flourishing of society uh, and the common good. And that's the approach. And so if we go back and I would encourage pro-lifers, read Centesimus Annus, you know, John Paul's, you know, reflection on the 100th anniversary of Rerum Novarum. It is worth the time to reflect on. Here he addresses the very things, Colleen, that you and I are talking about. And so this is a way to approach, is talk about what we see, what we've learned. Look at the economic situations. Uh, let's go, again, just look at our own country. You know, look at the various states where they're promoting very strong social programs, and how do you support those programs? And when you have a decrease in demographic in that given state, how do you sustain those programs? I mean, how do you sustain your infrastructure? You know, where are you going to get the tax base from? Where are you going to get the money from? Uh, you know, and so even Elon Musk, which we've talked about a number of times uh, in podcast and also in my articles, and just from the economic point, just from the point of looking at, you know, he has been in, uh, rec been speaking out against this, uh, or uh, in, uh, in a sense of making people aware of a demographic winter, of what this means. You know, and so there are many people speaking this in the secular realm. So I would say to our pro-lifers, read what they're saying. Look at what they're saying. Use what they're saying because they're looking at it purely from a secular point of view in the sense of economics, statistics. You know, what are the impacts? What's going to affect our, um, you know, there are people sitting down with their abacus, all right, looking at numbers, their calculators, all right? And they're looking at it and said, okay, how do we support this? How do we maintain this? What is this going to look like? I mean, I can look at this just from the Catholic Church's perspective with the issue of vocations. You know, when we have less children being welcomed into families, that affects, obviously, from the, the, uh, the amount of people that would be open to considering a vocation to religious life, to priestly life. And so what do we see in different dioceses? A shortage of priests a shortage of religious. Why? Very things, what we're talking about. So when we close ourselves off to the beauty of life, the gift of human life, and welcoming human life, you know, these are some of the consequences. So we can see this in just in practical things in our own church. We can see them in society. So I would just encourage people to, to read, to study, to, to open themselves to both what the, the secular world is saying, economists are saying, and always filter. I mean, like I said, you can, I, I can open up my, my, my emails right now and, and then send you, Colleen, a bunch of emails from people who are on the other side saying, oh, we need to decrease it even more. We, we got too, still too many more people, you know, we, uh, we can't afford this, you know, 
and we, you know, this uh, idea that the planet can't sustain, you know, the amount of crops that are needed. We don't have enough, you know, so you're going to find that side of the equation as well. So you have to be able to, to filter and, and, you know, and to be able to discern, you know, who's speaking, you know, uh, uh, rightly and, and be able then to address that. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to listen, you know, to people who have been uh, uh, blowing the horn for decades, who have been false from the, mo the first moment and are still false today. So let, that's, that's what I would recommend. Well, and it seems like you also have the issue, not just of like abortion and contraception to control population on one end, but as you have a declining birth rate, you're going to run into euthanasia on the other end because right. you don't have the young people to be able to take care of the older generation as easily. So right. I feel like that's another issue that we're going to see increasing as this birth rate drops off. Right. Well, that's, that's the mindset. So what you're, what you're talking about really is that, that when, you, when there's an, when there's a, a, an anti-life or a disrespect for human life, that's, that's the framework of how someone is operating. And when we look at the human person as a problem and not a blessing, when we approach the human person as the issue and, and not to welcome human life as an opportunity, a, a, a potentiality, a, a wonderful gift that is going to contribute, you know, and think of, you know, the, the, the people that are yet to come into our world that will bring tremendous, you know, blessings to our, to our global society. I mean, scientists, you know, uh, you know, the uh, doctors, nurses, I mean, the, the people who are going to, to find cures to diseases and by, by, by preventing these lives from coming into this world, you know, we're causing our own harm, you know, and, and so, we have to really approach this from an openness to the blessings of human life. And we, it's not the right of governments and agencies to tell, you know, married couples, you know, how many children, you know, and, and, and they shouldn't have more than two or, you know, in a uh, regulating like we see in China with voucher systems. I mean, it just, it's absurd. And, and it's a violation of the dignity of marriage and, and, the, and the ends of marriage. And, and that's where, again, we go back to our argument and that is that we're promoting goods, the good of marriage, the good of, 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 of the ends of marriage, and the good of human life. And this is what we're promoting and, and advocating for. And, and, and we ought to be helping couples and, and helping married couples and finding ways to address the real issues that we are dealing with in humanity. I mean, we do have issues. You know, I mean, I've traveled to 90 countries. I have seen with my own eyes uh, the lack of clean water, you know, the lack of health care, the lack of infrastructure, you know, the, uh, the difficulties that families and children are dealing with in, in many parts of the world, and the lack of electrification, the lack of farming equipment. I mean, I, I know I'm being a broken record, you know, but it, 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 I've seen it. I've experienced it. Uh, I mean, and the answer is not decreasing the population, all right? The answer, because, you know, the, 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 the decreasing the population doesn't make a better road, all right? Yeah. It doesn't create clean water, you know? And, and so it, it's, it's, these, it's the mindset, but also it's the fact of why don't we deal with the corruption in our governments? You know, the, 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 the failure of, of really employing distributive justice, which we, we talk about, to really consider the option for the poor, solidarity, you know, the principles of subsidiarity. I mean, these are the things that we should be talking about and advocating, which is what the Catholic Church does do every day. And, and why? Because we see the value of human life and we invest in the beauty of human life. And you, there is no 
other institution on this planet doing more to advance human flourishing than the Catholic Church. And, and I mean, from our charitable programs to our acts of charity and, and our health care and, 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 and many other ways that we are advocating for the human flourishing, we have every reason to hold our head up high because we are doing what is called upon us, Colleen, to, to support human life and to advance human life. And let's put it in this way. We put our money where our mouth is. Mm-hmm. All right. And so and who's also defending human life? Who's fighting for the protection of human life? You know, the Catholic Church is. And so uh, so here, you know, on, on this wonderful occasion of celebrating, reaching a wonderful moment of time where we welcome that eighth billion person into this world, you know, and, and to say welcome, you know, uh, thank you for, for, for being here. You know, bring, we, we look forward to getting to know you, getting to, to experience the beauty of your life and to learn, uh, you know, where you can be of great support to our work and to our lives. And, you know, it's just, it's a great moment. And, and that's what our attitude should be, you know, and, and, and really go against this other rhetoric uh, that's out there and the narrative that's out there, uh, but to be positive. We shouldn't have an attitude of like doomsday and like, oh my gosh, so many people no. we need to no. welcoming with open arms. Exactly. I, you know, I'm, I want to go back if I could just for a moment. Uh, I want to pull back to this, um, you know, to, to, to the director of the uh, UNFPA, you know, and, and it, what, 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 what she is saying here, she says, turn the eight on its side. And you'll see that, uh, and she talks about this symbol for infinity. Now, I'd have to talk more about that. We don't have time. But she says, so that a world of 8 billion can mean a world of infinite possibilities. I mean, so even, you know, she recognizes the very, very fact that, that, that human persons have so much potential, so much wonder. And, 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 and this is the way that she goes on. And, and, and I like the way, you know, she says, if the life of one individual can take many different routes, Imagine the boundless paths 8 billion can take. This is very, I mean, so if you just clo- close your, your, your eyes and don't see UNFPA, you're going, wow, what who this person is that's talking in such a wonderful way. And then you open your eyes and go, wait a minute, UNFPA? These are the very people that we've been dealing with globally pushing anti-life agendas through their policies. But as I said in the very beginning of our podcast, when I first read it, I, I really had to pause and I kept thinking, well, for that moment, eyes are opening. That demographic winner, that, that reality of uh, the consequences of our acts and our choices are right in front of us. And we have a moment now to, to reorient ourselves, you know, to uh, return, you know, to a, to a narrative that speaks about the beauty of life, the wonder of life, the awe that every life is and brings and to celebrate it, and, and to put an end to the violence against human life that begins with the contraceptive mentality, which is the anti-life mentality that leads to abortion, which leads, as you said, Colleen, to the other end of the spectrum, where, you know, with an aging population, you know, how do we deal with an aging population? How do we deal uh, when there's no one to care for them, or the resources are not there to provide for them? Then it creates the mindset, well, you know, they've lived their life, you know, they've, they've had a good life. Let's just, you know, uh, we can't care for them. We can't, you know, as I quoted in one podcast, this is out of, uh, out of Canada, you know, I, I can't give you health care. I can't give you what you need, but I can give you euthanasia. 
right? And if people want to know what that article is about, go back and read My Spirit and Life, you know, because that is a true statement. And that's what people hear. And so, Colleen, you're right on target by, by bringing that up. And, and people need to see both ends of the spectrum uh, when anti-life is that narrative. And so for us, every life, from its natural beginning at fertilization to its natural end, must be served, loved, protected. Well, thank you, Father. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience today? I know we're coming close to the half-hour mark. So Yeah, what I, what I would say, uh, you know, Colleen, to all of our audience is, please just join me. Join so many others. When, if you get a chance, you know, uh, to, uh, to, to, to blow the horn about the beauty of life, do so. If you have a chance to sit down with your friends and, and you hear someone mention, you know, uh, you know, I can't believe that so-and-so, you know, has welcomed in a third child. Take mm-hmm. the moment to, to, to correct that mindset respectfully but firmly. If you come across an article in the newspaper, write an editorial. Do, in other words, the main thing is we can't let the other side control the narrative. We've let that go too far and, and too long. And, you know, we need more than just HLI and many others that have been, uh, you know, advocating for the culture of life. You know, we need many, many more into this conversation. And we just got to recognize what can I as an individual bring? You and myself today are doing this podcast and hoping that the podcast will inspire others, you know, to talk about it, to, to go research it and look up the information and then go out and then be proclaim the gospel of life. That's what our intention is. You know, we're, we're trying to advocate you know, and, and, and call people to activism. And that's what I would say in, in my closing remarks is that, you know, let's get up. Let's, you know, uh, be bold proclaimers of the gospel of life. And, and to any of our couples that may be listening, you know, maybe wondering, you know, uh, married couples, you know, should we have welcome another child? Yes, be, be, be open, be receptive, you know, to someone that might be listening, thinking, you know, uh, uh, maybe the, the narrative on the other side is right. You know, they're looking at the poverty. They're looking at the struggles. And, and don't buy into that. You know, it's, it's a false narrative. You know, the, there's nothing more beautiful than the gift of a human person. And, and we need to really address uh, the issues that are causing problems for our families and people. But it's not people, not the, the gift of human life. It's our, it's, it's our mindset, our frameworks, our behaviors, and the corruption within our systems, uh, the lack of distributive justice, many, many issues, Colleen. So that's what I would say, you know, uh, be not afraid. Let's keep the positive. And I'm, I know what I'm doing next week. I'm going to uh, have a big blowhorn, you know, and, uh, and I'm going to be on mission next week out of, uh, you know, uh, out of the country, uh, you know, as I often am. And I can tell you, no matter where I am, whatever country I'm in, what I'm talking about today is what I talk about. All right. And so whether I am in a, in a country where, uh, like in Africa or a continent where, you know, many, uh, many countries still welcome life and are open to life and have large families, or if I'm in Europe where people sadly have fallen into the trap, you know, of, of, the, of the contraceptive mindset, there's a chance for me to talk about the beauty of human life. So uh, I'm just saying if I'm doing that, I want you to do it with me. Well, thank you so much, Father. And that's great encouragement for everybody listening. Um, and for everyone who is listening on YouTube or Rumble, please remember to like, follow, and subscribe, and turn on notifications. And if you're listening on our audio platforms, please follow and share with your friends, and keep on living the culture of life. God bless.